Christ Church, New Malden, 7th of June 2020. Stephen Kurt speaking on the relevance of the Trinity. Well, I wonder how you feel when you hear the word Trinity. It's a rather churchy term, isn't it? And one that can therefore make people less used to church feel somewhat on the outside. But in reality, there are very few Christians that are particularly comfortable thinking about the Trinity. And it's only partly because understanding one God in three persons can seem rather strange and nonsensical. It's more because the doctrine of the Trinity can seem so abstract and unrelated to our lives. Other Christian beliefs are far more obviously relevant. The death of Jesus, for instance, is what brings us God's forgiveness and rescue. The resurrection of Jesus signals the breaking into this world of God's new creation and therefore forms the basis of our hope. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a similar relevance, I hope, in the ascension of Jesus and the coming of God's Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But understanding God as Trinity, what possible relevance does this have for our lives, particularly during these troubled times, not just of coronavirus, but in the terrible circumstances surrounding the death of George Floyd in America and all of the issues connected with it? Well, the answer is a great deal. Far from being a dry and dusty subject with a relevance just for particularly intense theologians, the doctrine of the Trinity has got everything to say to us at any time, but especially when we're struggling a bit with life, when we're disturbed by events happening around us, and when we're wondering where God is within it all. And that's because the doctrine of the Trinity is all about the nature of the God that we worship. It's all about the sort of God he is. The key moment in any good relationship forming is when we feel we've grasped the nature of that person that we're interacting with, what they're really like. It's once that happens that trust can develop in that relationship. And it's the same with God. Understand the nature of the God that we worship. And this plays a vital role in the development of our trust and faith in him. That's why, I suggest, Trinity Sunday is just as important and just as helpful at this time as those other key moments in the Christian year that we've marked since the lockdown began. An understanding the Trinity begins by grasping why it's important to understand God as one. Our first reading came from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And it's one of the most important passages within that book that declares, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It's a passage that's so foundational to Jews that based on what it says a few verses later, they often keep it in boxes called mezuzahs on the doorposts of their houses and ones called tefillin that they tie to their arms for prayer. But why is it so important that God is one? And what's the connection between that affirmation and what follows in the instruction to love God with everything that we possess? The answer is found 
in the fact that in the ancient world, as that passage goes on to reveal, there were loads of gods from which people could take their pick, depending chiefly on the material things people wanted from those gods and the groupings that they belonged to. Polytheism, in other words, belief in many gods, was completely interconnected with both materialism and a tribal approach to life. Worship of those created things that people wanted to possess, what the Bible calls idolatry, and division between those seeking to gain these things from their competing gods. And it's not really that different today, with materialism and division, if anything, more rampant within our culture. The invitation everywhere to buy into things that will make our lives better, often with iconic, godlike figures attached to them, and also with the terrible price of that materialism largely paid for by others. But not entirely, because it also fails to bring the satisfaction it promises, leaving us instead restless and anxious, leading to more and more problems within our society. Belief in the oneness of God is the antidote to all of this. It's the antidote because it says that there's one God who created this world and is therefore distinct from everything within it. He can't be merged or confused with the things he created. He is the sole giver of life, and created things aren't. And the reason this is important is because when we make that distinction between the one God and the things that he created, we put those things in their proper place as good but created things that can and will bless us when we put them below God and can and will curse us, other people and the world, when we place them above him. That's why the command in that passage to love God wholeheartedly comes directly after the affirmation of his oneness. Acknowledging the oneness of God leads directly to that undivided love for him and as a result a much healthier approach to life and all the good things that he's given us. It's no coincidence that despite the hardships that it's brought, many people feel that they've moved closer to God during this lockdown. Some of you have commented that the provision of these services has played a role in that. It's partly because so many of those things that we're used to relying upon have been taken away. Sometimes fasting from created things is voluntary, and sometimes it's imposed upon us, but the result is often similar in a clearer distinction emerging between God and those created things which should be a blessing, but we very often make into the precise opposite. So it's the start of June and a time of year when I'd normally have become completely absorbed in England's summer programme of cricket. Now I do miss it pretty badly, but if truth be told, it's been good for me to go without this, because it's brought me greater perspective on what's really important. We all have our equivalents, good things intended by God to bless us, but which we can become so absorbed in that they become destructive by, for example, making us defer to the needs of others and the world about us. The oneness of God provides the theological rationale 
for why such detoxes from these things are good for us. And it explains why many of us can see the benefits that have come to us through this coronavirus crisis, as well as those things that have been more negative. So, God's oneness, a crucial part of understanding him, which couldn't be more relevant to our lives. But there's more that needs to be said if we're going to understand how this God who created the world and is therefore completely distinct from it is at the same time intimately involved within it. Now, there are some who would say we can't have it both ways, that if we want to affirm God's oneness and his distinctiveness from the world, we have to deny that such a personal presence of God within it is possible. Islam is a world religion that probably more successfully than any other avoids idolatry. And this is something that Christians should respect and learn from. But do we therefore have to say, as Muslims do, that God is not just distinct from the world, but he's separate from it as well? That we can know God's will, but not his personal presence? That any claim to know God as Father is to open the door pretty swiftly to idolatry. Well, the answer to this is found, I believe, in the first place by recognising that a Jewish understanding of God is very different from this. Read the Old Testament and we see the emphasis upon a God who is distinct from the world and yet, at the same time, intimately and closely involved within it. That's why there's such an emphasis upon God's presence amongst his people. God is holy and therefore utterly different, but through first the tabernacle and then later the temple, his holy presence was nonetheless alongside his people, guiding and reassuring them, challenging and comforting them. Belief in God's oneness also points to the undivided commitment of that one God to his creation which is why the Old Testament prophets firmly believed that this God wouldn't and couldn't leave his world in the state that it was in, but instead would act to rescue it. And what this all shows us is that the God who is transcendent over this world, also coming amongst the world, first in Jesus Christ and then through his Holy Spirit, is totally consistent with this picture. The New Testament's revelation of the one God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit isn't a break with the presentation of God in the Old Testament. It's the full revelation of that God. Not least because it clarifies why love is at the heart of God's character. The Old Testament is full of statements about God's love and one of the most repeated is the statement that he's a God of compassion and great goodness, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's a phrase that with certain variations occurs first in Exodus, but then at regular intervals in the Psalms, Jonah, Joel, and elsewhere. But when Jesus and then the Holy Spirit come to fulfill that rescuing love of God, we also see Jesus speaking about the love between him and the Father, helping us to realise that God actually is love that the one God is, in his essential being, a community of loving relationships between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
The God revealed as Trinity, in other words, is love. And the reason this is so relevant to us is because the message of the Bible is that we are invited into this undivided community of love. Earlier, I mentioned the tribalism as well as the materialism that springs from the failure to acknowledge the distinction between God and the world that he created. And during this week, we've of course witnessed the most appalling example of such tribalism in the dreadful killing of George Floyd, which has rightly brought so much anger and revulsion. Belief in the oneness of God is a rebuke to such tribalism because it declares that everyone is equal in the sight of the God who created them. To, to use the phrase of the week, black lives matter every bit as much as others. But belief in God as Trinity takes us further by declaring that the God who is love and has made all human beings in his image invites us into this community of love on completely equal terms. No one is excluded on grounds of race, status or gender because with all of our diversity fully recognised and valued, we're nonetheless intended to become one people in him. The Bible's vision of the church, different people from very different backgrounds and with all of our different gifts and insights brought into one single community. That vision is completely founded upon the community of love that is the Trinity. It's why the same Paul who speaks of God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit also says to the church in Galatia, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Dealing with coronavirus is tough and this week has brought further home to us the mess that the world is in. But on Trinity Sunday, when we remember the full revelation of God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, let's allow that understanding of God its full relevance and through this place our faith and trust further in him. Let's allow it to displace the materialism and tribalism that our lives can so easily slip into with all of their destructive effects upon this world. During this coronavirus crisis, many of us have recognised a bit more how our constant quest for material things is a really negative force in the world, not least because of all the pollution that we're currently having a bit more of a break from. We've also realised a bit more clearly the importance of self-giving and community, as our understanding of the real heroes in society has changed from celebrities to workers in, for instance, care homes and the NHS. The murder of George Floyd is a further wake-up call to how vital it is that we firmly reject any form of tribalism and seek to form united communities of love for all. An understanding God as Trinity. God inviting everyone into that community of love at the centre of his being. That speaks powerfully into every single bit of this.